0: Welcome to The Gathering Church Podcast. We are so glad you're joining us today. For more info about The Gathering, you can check out thegathering.online. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Here's today's message. Amen. It's really good to be back preaching with you guys this week. The past two Sundays have been, I hope you agree, excellent Sundays with Pastor Aliano, Pastor Dan Lund, bringing the Word. And I was thankful just to sit down next to you all and, and learn from the Word of God as well. And let's be honest, you needed a break from me, right? Um, I ramble a lot. You hear me talk a lot. I needed a break. It was mutually beneficial. Uh, and then I'm, I'm back, and I'm really excited to start a new series with you. Each year around August and September, uh, I take a moment to prepare for what I consider as my calendar year ahead from a preaching standpoint. And it, it's very loose, but I start to jot down some ideas, some themes, some topics, some books of the Bible that I would like to dive in um, with you uh, in the upcoming calendar year. And, and so after Easter, I, I was going to look back at that, but I also wanted to take into uh into account what you had said on our Easter survey. If you filled that out, you know there were different topics that we asked, what would you like to hear a message about? What would you like to hear a series about? And Scott, our administrative pastor, he collected all that data, brought it to me, showed me what you said. The number one thing from everything that you picked out there, the top one you wanted to hear about was God's plan for your life. So I said, okay, God's plan for your life, you know, maybe we can fit that in at some point in the next few months or whenever I feel like God is leading that. And then I looked at what was next on the sermon calendar, and what I had simply wrote was the book of Ruth. I thought, that's interesting. I feel like maybe that we can combine the book of Ruth, and there's a lot about God's plan for our life in this book. And so I'm excited to go in uh, with the book of Ruth with a simple title for this series called God's Plan. God's plan. There's something about learning what God has for us that is always of interest, right? Anything pertaining to us, we're naturally selfish human beings. We can admit that, right? So we want to know, what does God have? What is his plan for me? I want to know, what is God's purpose for me? You know, the, the Rick Warren book, right? The Purpose Driven Life came out years ago. That book sold millions of copies, I believe, because people want to know, what, is God's, what does God have for me? What does God have in store for me? And so we're going to look at God's plan. And when I think about God's plan for a life, I want to ask some questions like, how do I know what is and what is not God's plan? What do I do when I've gone away from God's plan? How do I know that I've gone away from God's plan? These type of questions that I ask. I don't know if you ever think about these things, but they're difficult things to navigate. And so we're going to look at the story of Ruth in a moment. But before we do, to kind of center ourselves around this concept of God's plan, I want to look at a verse from Proverbs chapter 16. Verse 9, it talks about plans and answers and directions. It says in verse 9, the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. And so when we talk about God's plan, we're we're not saying that you can't have any of your own plans, you can't make plans, but we need to remember who's in charge. Now We can make plans, but who's the one that establishes us? Is it it us or is it God? God is the one that establishes his steps. He's the one that makes the way. Sometimes we make plans and we don't seek the Lord. We, We just choose to trust in our own strength. And I think I speak for everyone when I say we have all sinned in our life, which means we've all failed, certainly times that we're not following God. There have been times where we haven't followed his plan for our lives. So to me, the question is not, will we go wrong in life? But the question is, how do I know if I've gone wrong? And how do I attempt to make it right? And so the title of today's message is called Stick to the Plan. Stick to the Plan. You've probably heard that phrase before. I bet if you watch a few movies, you'll probably hear it in those movies. I remember Fast and Furious, you can hear Dom saying that. You can hear it at the beginning of Iron Man as Tony Stark is trying to get out of the cave and they've got a plan, but he says stick to the plan. The reason you say stick to the plan is because something has come up that was unexpected that makes you question the plan. So how do we know how to stick to the plan? Let's look at the story of Ruth, the only person to have a book in the Old Testament named after her and not be an Israelite. She was not from God's chosen people, but yet this book is named after her. And ironically, it does not start the story with her. It starts with a family of Israelites. Let's read the first five verses of the story of Ruth together. It says, in the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab. He and his wife and his two sons, and the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malon and Chilion. They were Epaphrites from Bethlehem in Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there, but Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons, and these took Moabite wives. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other, Ruth. They lived there about ten years, and both Malin and Chilion died, so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. What a pleasant opening to this story. It's probably one of the most depressing beginnings of a story that I could pick in the Bible. And we know that we know what timeline we're in. Let's start there. The era, it says in the era of judges. So this is before King Saul, King David, King Solomon. This is after Moses and then Joshua have led them out of Egypt, out of the wilderness and into the promised land. So now they're in the promised land, they're a family out of Bethlehem, out of Judah, out of the promised land, and they they decide to leave all of that. This family decides to leave the promised land and go to Moab. And they talk about there being a famine. We know this famine was severe. If it's hitting Bethlehem, of all places, it's severe because Bethlehem was one of the most thriving agricultural cities. Bethlehem means house of bread. But the famine is so harsh that Elimelech believes the best course of action is to leave the land and journey to Moab. This is kind of a change of plans, right? Maybe at the moment it felt like a good option for them. It felt like the right thing to do. But I ask today, was this a movement of faith or an action based out of fear? because there are times where we're going to need to move. There are times we're going to need to take action. We'll see that later in the story. But we need to think if we are acting and changing because we believe God is asking us to move, or because we fear that God is not going to provide for us where we are. And the Bible does not explicitly state that Elimelech sinned, but I also don't see any verses here that says God directed Elimelech to move. And if you look in Genesis, we see a story of a man that God directed to move. Look at Genesis real quickly, verse, chapter 12. It says, "'The Lord said to Abram, "'Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house "'to the land that I will show you, "'and I will make of you a great nation. "'I will bless you and make your name great "'so that you will be a blessing.'" I will bless those who bless you, and him whom you, who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So in this passage, God is the source of change, and therefore the source of blessing. But when Elimelech and his family left Bethlehem, they didn't experience a blessing. They were choosing to leave that blessing. Think about it. This is the land that God had promised them. It had been fruitful for them, but when circumstances changed against them, they thought that a change of scenery would fix things. And we have to think in those days when weather conditions were bad, when crops were poor, these physical and natural things were actually an indication of where the children of Israel were from a spiritual condition. The natural affected, I should say the other way, the spiritual affected the natural. It typically meant that the people of Israel had turned their hearts away from God and worshiping him and were beginning to trust and worship other gods. And the people of Israel became desperate, and since Elimelech didn't know what to do, he decided to move his family out of the promised land. Our first point when we talk about sticking to the plan, the first point is that desperate times tempt us with desperate measures. You've heard the phrase, desperate times call for desperate measures. I'm telling you that in moments of desperation, that is when we are tempted to try things we would not normally do. We are tempted with desperate measures. Because yes, it sounds like a good change of plan to move out of an area with poor crops and conditions. That's, that's a logical answer by man, that when things get tough, we wanna run. We wanna get out of there. But there are actually times when we are supposed to defer to God and say, are you asking me to move? Are you asking me to stay here and you're gonna anchor me in the middle of this crisis? There is no indication here Of Elimelech and his family seeking God for an answer. There's no calling upon God for forgiveness or saying, search my heart. They decided instead of doing that and staying in the promised land that God had provided for them, they went to Moab. Do you know what that means to go to Moab? When you're going to Moab, it means you're going back. It means you're going back through Jericho, you're going through the Dead Sea, you're going back across the Jordan River that God had provided a miracle for them in the middle of the flood stage. They were going back to the wilderness where they had wandered for decades. They were going back to a people in the Moabites that had chosen to resist the Israelites. These were not friends. These were enemies. These were people that had seduced the Israelites into intermarriage so that they would worship their false gods. They were going back to failure. They were going back. And that's where Elimelech takes his family In their desperation, they went back to familiarity in Moab. Do we go back to familiarity sometimes? Do do we do this when we fail to trust God and stick to his plan? We get desperate and we take the plans into our own hands. We say, yeah, it wasn't a great relationship. He was kind of abusive to me but at least I wasn't alone then. We say, yeah, sometimes that job makes me do questionable things, things that go against my values and my standards, but the pay is so good. We do these things. I know it's really quiet in here. I'm just going to keep preaching anyways. (laughs) Let me try to help you. I don't always know what is and what is not God's plan, but if the plan includes doing something that goes against his word, it's not from God, it's from you. Desperate times tempt us with desperate measures. Doing something, dating someone who doesn't know Jesus. These are clear left turns, right turns away from God's plan for our life. I know it can be hard to determine what is right and what's wrong, but I want to clarify first with the standards, calling out on God first. Things can get tough at times, but an act without God will not change things. Moving will not change if it's not directed from God. You think you're moving away from your problems? No, you're just picking up your problems and moving it somewhere else. Yes. That place wasn't the problem. It's me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. <laughs> right? We have to realize when is the problem here, and when is the connection with God need to be stronger so we can hear when are we supposed to move, when are we supposed to say. I promise that's the last time I'll quote Taylor Swift. For today, for today. And you can ask that of God in prayer, but that's that's not what Elimelech does here. He chooses to go back to where they had been. He looked for where it seemed to be comfortable. And look what happened. Look at verse 3 again. It says, Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. Elimelech dies in Moab. It's hard to tell if they were going back there just for a season, and they were planning to move out as soon as possible, but they remained there. And it's hard to know if this is God's judgment, but we know that there was nothing better in Moab than it was in Bethlehem. And Naomi is now becomes the the main character of the story, her and her sons, who then take wives for themselves, and they live in Moab for 10 years. And then both sons die, and so Naomi is without a husband and without two sons. And let's see what happens next. Look at verse 6. It says, Then she arose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab, For she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she was with her two daughters-in-law, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. And then she kissed them and lifted up their voices and wept. So Naomi has heard rumors of God causing prosperity back in Judah. She sets out to return to God's land, to God's people, and to God's promise and she sets out with her two daughters-in-law, Orpah and Ruth, and she's getting ready to head back, and then she stops. I need to explain the, the history, the, the cultural significance. In those days, when you married into the family, you're now attached to the family. It sounds weird, because it is, but the daughters would then stay in the family. If there were other sons of that family, they would then be able to marry them or wait for a son of appropriate age to marry him. So that's why, that's why the daughters-in-law are staying with Naomi. And Naomi's getting ready to go back, and she's like, what are we doing? You're, you're not going to wait for me? You're not going to wait for me to have, even if I do have sons, you're going to wait for them to be of age, to be your husband? Go back. And notice she doesn't curse them, she's not angry at them, she blesses them. She says, I I hope that God deals kindly with you. She says, go back to your mother's house. It's an unusual phrase. We don't see that a lot. But mother's house is used only three other times in the Old Testament. Twice in Song of Solomon and once in Genesis, when when Rebecca is there, um, goes to her mother's house after meeting Abraham's servant. It meant going back to a place of love from before. Naomi is releasing them of their responsibility to her family, and they can go back and remain where they've grown up and marry someone there. It says Naomi prays that both of them would find security in a new husband. Naomi blesses them, asks the Lord to show kindness to them, and then skip down. Look at verse 14. What happens in verse 14? It says, they lifted up their voices and wept, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law. But Ruth clung to her and she said, see, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods, return after your sister-in-law. This is the moment of decision for Ruth. This is a pivotal moment in her life, a decision that will affect the rest of her life. And she chooses to follow Naomi. I was trying to understand, why, why would you, I was trying to put myself in Ruth's shoes. Why would you choose to follow Naomi? This, this woman, she's, she's kind of jaded now, she's bitter, she's hurt, and she's returning to her people, to the land that she left years ago. I wonder if maybe Naomi had told Ruth of the good things of the land of Israel. I wonder if she had told her about how God had blessed them in the past, Maybe Ruth was tired of living in Moab and and following their gods. And and that plan and that that purpose, she had already lived there 10 years married. 10 years, no children to her name. And she has this moment when Naomi urges her to go back and follow their gods and to follow after her sister-in-law. I want to encourage you, if you've been here and you're following, you've been following your own plans, you've been following someone else, there is another way. But it takes effort, it takes action. Our second point, choosing God's plan, it takes action. If you don't take action, you will stay where you are, you will be stagnant, you will actually drift towards things that are not good for you. It takes effort because it's easier to follow someone else's plan. It's easier to follow what everyone else is doing, but you're not everybody. You're not everyone else. God's got a specific and unique plan for your life. It's easier to go back to comfort and familiarity. It's easier to conform than to be set apart. It's easier, but it's not as fulfilling. It's not as meaningful. It took determination to stick to God's plan. And think about Naomi. She, she heard about what God was doing in the land of Bethlehem but it took action for her to get up and go back to where she had been, back to the original plan. I wonder if there are some familiar things that are holding you back from God's plan. I wonder if there is some dysfunction in your life that is just easier to put up with than to leave. wonder if there are some habits, there are some comfort that you You enjoy for a moment, and then later you feel lost and you feel empty because because of it, because you haven't left that habit. We have to choose God's plan instead of just staying where we are. And sometimes we have to choose God's plan over a blessing. Now, don't get me wrong, there are blessings in God's plan. But Ruth was actually faced with either going with Naomi or being blessed to go back. And I wonder if sometimes do we actually seek God for his plan or do we come to God with our plan already decided? And we're just asking him to bless what we've already decided. Are we looking for God's plan or are we just looking for him to bless what we have planned? And as I was thinking about this more, there may be some parents in the room that you can relate to this concept of your children. Maybe they're at an age that they're making their own decisions. And sometimes they make decisions, and you're sitting there like, huh, that's what you chose to do, huh? Okay, you didn't ask me. Um, I've been here for years. I brought you into this world. I've got decades of wisdom. Uh, But you didn't ask me, and so I'm just going to choose to allow you to walk in what you believe is the best. And I began to think about this, and I was like, okay, is there any stories from my life that I did this? And so I called my dad up. I couldn't think of any off the top of my head. I called my dad up. And he goes, first one he could think of was, well, you know, obviously you wanted to be, you were deciding whether you're going to be a professional basketball player or a professional football player, and you're talking to me about that, and I'm sitting there knowing that neither of those are going to work out because your uh, athletic ability, I'm like, yeah, dad, dad, that's irrelevant, I understand, thank you uh, for that example. Is there any other examples that you have to share? And he goes, well, you know, some of your dating... P- Past history didn't really make sense to us sometimes. I guess you don't want to talk about that. Yeah, Dad, I don't want to talk about that on Sunday morning with the whole church. You are correct. And so then I was on my own to come up with an example for you. And I finally thought of one that was more appropriate than my dad did. And so the, the conversation, uh, the story that I, I came up with was years ago. It's probably seven or eight years old. We went to a conference with my parents out of town. So we're staying at a hotel. We're going to the church for services. And we're going to out to eat, right? Going to restaurants, and I don't I don't remember why, but we continued to go back to the same restaurant. I think there was a connection to the church that we were going to. There was a discount. There was something, and uh, my seven to eight year old palate really wanted a grilled cheese sandwich. And so I chose that grilled cheese sandwich. I don't know what it was about this thing, but I just loved it. I thought it was amazing, it was delicious, the best grilled cheese I'd ever had, right? And so we go there, we go back to the services, we go back to this restaurant the next day. I said, well, I loved it yesterday. I'm gonna love it again today. And so my parents began to think like, you know, there's not a lot of nutritional value in that grilled cheese sandwich. Maybe choose something else, kind of change up, spice it up, I'm like, no, I love this grilled cheese, I'm gonna get it again. I get it a second time. I get it a third time. The the conference weekend is almost over. And you know, I'm starting to not feel that great. My stomach is starting to not enjoy all that cheese and bread that's only stuck in my stomach and creating a knot. And my brothers are in the pool swimming around and I'm laying off to the side being like, oh, I don't feel very good. And sure enough, it all came back out on the way home. Any parents with throw up in the back seat, right? All came back out. We stopped at a McDonald's later. Same thing happened. It was just all day. My parents were saying, they they didn't say it, but they were certainly thinking, you know, we should not have let you have that. You should not have had that. There are times that God has a different plan for us, but God is not going to force you to do what you don't want to do. So if we don't defer to Him, if we don't ask Him what is the right call, what's the right decision, where do I go, He's not going to budge into your life and force you to do anything. In this moment, Ruth has to take an action step. Look at what she says in verse 16. She says, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you, for where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. Ruth takes action to stay with Naomi. It's actually a a moment, a a salvation-like moment, right? She says, your God is my God. I'm claiming your way of life over where I've been. This is more than a change from one place to another. This wasn't Plain City to Milford Center. This was saying, I'm changing my whole life, my whole perspective. I'm going to different customs, a different nation, and I'm choosing the God of the Israelites over the gods of the Moabites. After Ruth makes this declaration, they continue on to Bethlehem. And when they arrive, the people begin to take notice. And they say, is that, is that Naomi? Is that, I think I remember her from years before. Let's look at the last three verses of this chapter. As people are looking at Naomi and calling out to her, this is what she says. She said to them, do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. So Naomi returns, and <laughs> it, it makes me laugh. You know when you see someone from a distance and you're like, is that, is that so-and-so? And you're like, I'm pretty sure it is. And you get closer to them. Can you imagine if like, hey, were you Naomi? Like, don't call me Naomi. That's not my name anymore. Like, oh, I'm sorry. I got the wrong person. I like, or they're like, yeah, I was, but call me this name now. You're like, yeah, I'm probably not going to do that. But that's what happens in this moment. It's because Naomi has gone through something so terrible. She's like, you might recognize me on the exterior, but inside I'm a different person. I've been changed. I've gone through some horrible seasons of my life. She admits she's angry. She's in the middle of intense grief. But yet, what has she chosen to do in her grief? She has returned to Bethlehem, symbolizing that she was returning to God. I know that you've been hurt in your life. I know some of your plans have not always gone the way that you wanted them to go. But in that grief, in that hurt, in that anger, can you choose to still return to God? In your hurt, in your bitterness, he can handle it. He can absorb that. I wonder if one of the reasons Ruth wanted to go with Naomi is because she saw that Naomi was bitter and upset, but she also saw that she was returning to the God, returning to her God. And I wonder if she was thinking, well, if she can be this bitter and this much terrible things have happened to her, but yet she's returning to that God, he must be good and he must be powerful. And I want you to know that the plans in your life may not always go the way that you want to, but you can always turn to the God that is good and he is faithful and he is strong to deliver you. The answer is to draw close in these times, not depart. Can you run to God even when you feel bitter towards God? We have to remind ourselves that God is not done with the story. It's not over. And I love in the last verse of this chapter, God gives us just a a small portion of his plan for the last few chapters. If you notice, he says, The barley harvest is just beginning. Barley is the first crop to be harvested each year. This means that Naomi and Ruth are returning when food is about to become most plentiful. Isn't that amazing? I thought it was a cool point. Even in the painful moments, God is at work and he still has a plan. And our last point, as we get ready to close, worship to you can come up. God has a plan in the pain. I want you to know the presence of pain in your life does not mean the absence of God and his plan in your life. He still has a plan. And we're going to see in the next few chapters how that plan works out. But today I'm preaching from one of the most tragic chapters in the Bible. There is death, there is grief, there is loss, there is separation. There's bitterness, but this is just chapter one. And there are three more chapters in the story of Ruth and Naomi and what God does through their life. And I think there are people here today that you've been in a rough chapter of your life. But I want to tell you, God is saying it's not the end of his story. He's not finished with you yet. There's more to be written. I think to some people this morning, he's saying, hold on. Don't give up now. Don't miss the conclusion that I have for your story. We are so quick when things get difficult to leave where we're at, but I wonder if the person that we call the anchor of our lives, if we would just call out to him and he would anchor us in those moments of turmoil and chaos and troubles. There are chapters in every story that are bleak and tough, but God is still writing his story. He's got the best conclusion plan for you. There's a plan in the middle of the pain. He's not done yet. Will you wait for him to show you the plan? Joseph had to go through the pain of slavery, but God had a plan to deliver him from slavery and preserve his whole nation through a famine. Hannah went through the pain of waiting to have a child. But God had a plan to have a child through her that would become a great prophet of God. Paul went through the pain of constant prisons and brutality, but God had a plan for him to write and encourage churches all over the world. There's a plan in our pain. Are you willing to call out to God in your pain? Would you stand with me this morning as we close? We're going to close with one song. Some of you here are struggling because this chapter in your life is difficult. And there are times when God is going to call us to leave. I'm not saying that you can never leave, but it has to be ordained by God. There are going to be times when we're in dysfunction, we're in comfort and familiarity, and we need to say, I got to leave this. I got to take action. It's going to be hard, but it's going to be worth it in the long run there are times when we're just in a painful season of life. God has not gone through that. The Word of God says He never leaves us nor forsakes us. Call out to Him in your pain. He is with you. Thank you for listening to today's message. The Gathering is a place where you can belong to a church that loves you, believe in the God who is bigger than you, and become who God created you to be. For updates, service times, or ways to get involved, check out thegathering.online. And if you enjoyed listening today, consider rating it or sharing it with a friend. We love you. The best is yet to come.